welcome to another episode of A Table at the Back podcast, where we discuss all things UX, CX, marketing, and the mum biz life balance, juggle, whatever you want to call it. Um, This week, we went a little bit technical-ish and discussed the user research side of things, in particular voice of customer data and how you can use it to uh, shape and inform your messaging. Enjoy. Oh, wow. So, hello. We're alone this week. Hello, we are. Just with our thoughts. <laughs> just with our, it, feels, it feels strange. It's like, ooh, this table's a bit empty, but maybe we can like spread out. <laughs> My husband's like pretty close. We could just call him, call him in if we want. You can probably hear him. <laughs> just interview him. No, I think it's, I think it's nice. We, it's been nice having guests on, but it's nice to like, be able to chat to you. Yeah, it is. We don't talk enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, not really on the phone. We message. It's like that meme. Yeah, have you seen that meme that's floating around? And it's like, why would I call you when I can send 250 yeah. messages? <laughs> that's, that's so how I roll. Me too. I'm just a big communicator. <laughs> really like to like write it all down. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, what have you been up to this week? Um, but other than being sick, sorry everyone oh. if you can hear. Me. I don't get a sexy like throaty voice. I get like even more nasally. Um, but yeah, if you hear me coughing, that's why I'll try and aim it away as much as I can. Um, but yeah, I've just been really busy like mapping out my availability for the rest of the year. And we're going overseas in a couple of months um just for a few weeks, but when you take time out of your business, you kind of have to plan around it. So yeah. trying to be as organized as I can. Um, yeah, and we're visiting family later this week. So trying to get all my stuff done for this week before we head off. Wasn't your, Was your family down recently? Yeah, we see each other a lot. But <laughs> we're going yeah. up this time for my father-in-law's 60th. Oh, wow. So we haven't yeah. seen them for a while, which is, yeah. So get to see everyone. What about you? That's really nice. Um, I have, oh, yeah, I, I wish I could say anything other than I've been working, <laughs> but I can't now. We're just just going through a phase at the moment where yeah. all, of my, all of my work lives are hectic. <laughs> and the payoff though. Yeah, and it's not one of those, you know, it's not one of those I'm telling myself I'm busy things because I'm, I actually try to be really aware of that and try to be really sort of conscious about, oh, don't just be busy, but actually, you know, be doing stuff that helps you progress or that is meaningful, whatever. And now is just one of those things where, you know, Gig Super, like the app launches, I know I've been saying it's a few weeks away, but hmm. it, <laughs> I know when you're working with devs, it, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but it is, you know, it's, it's so, so close. And then, you know, like I said last week, we opened the cafe. So we've kind of been ha- trialing staff and in, you know, while we've been trialing staff and there's no one to work, <laughs> the kids you and think, I sort of. Do you we, use the coffee machine? No, I, no, I oh. on purpose. Apparently it's a really easy coffee machine to use, but I on purpose don't want to learn how to use it because yeah. I want the coffee made. <laughs> yeah, Is that terrible? Point. No, you probably do enough. I would just <laughs> sit back and let your husband take care of that one. Yeah, but 
I have been, yeah, the, like I said, the kids and I have kind of been living there, but I've been working um, <laughs> mostly in the kitchen, washing dishes. And to be honest, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I'm just, it gives me a chance to just <gasps> zone out. Yeah. 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 So, so it's been good, but the mum guilt is kicking in hardcore, hardcore. Hey. So. They probably enjoy seeing you guys all there together. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, you know, I, I have this, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I have this real, like, I want my kids to see me in my work environment. Yeah. Which is why I take my son to work when it's school holidays and, you know, not to the extent of, like, you have to live there. It's only been a week and a half since we opened the cafe. So this is not, like, two years down the track. But no. But I, I, yeah, I have this real thing about them seeing, because like I said, we'd always go and see my husband at work because he's in hospitality. And so they'd be like, oh, daddy's at work. And they have this idea of daddy working, but they don't seem, they just like mummy goes to work and it's just mm. a thing. And then uh, who knows what happens when mummy goes to work. So yeah, it's really important for me, for them to see that. I think that's good. Like, I still don't know what my dad did for work because of that. Like, he was, you know, he'd just go to work. Like, I, I went there with him, but I I didn't know what he did, whereas my mum's a teacher. So, I got, like, at my school, so I saw exactly what she did. Oh. So, yeah, I'm the same. I like to, even though Matilda can't really talk much yet, I tried to tell her, you know, I'm working on my laptop right now. I'll be with you in a minute. And yeah, hopefully that kind of teaches her about you know work and doing what you love and that kind of thing yeah exactly and and also just you know seeing the fact and then tomorrow if for me it's like tomorrow if they choose to be the stay-at-home parent cool but also you know that you know that whole see it be it thing like you know that that doesn't you can choose this other thing too if you want so yeah the choice yeah yeah for sure Anyway, it's a bit of a tangent from what we're talking about today, but we are known for our tangents. <laughs> um, but yeah, what are we talking about today? <laughs> well, today I thought we would talk about user research because I know that you've probably just gone through that um, with Gig Super and oh. you do it with your One Tiny Tribe as well. Um, and for me, I've just wrapped up a new type of user research, which um, we've spoken about in the past, but before any project, um, I will always do some element of user research, whatever's kind of needed for that particular project. Um, it's a non-negotiable for me now because I know how valuable it is. Um, we have to know the audience that we're writing to. So yeah, I think as writers, we're like curious people. So it makes sense for us, um, you know, to find out as much as we can about a company, a topic, industry, product, whatever we're working on at that time, um, as much as we can. So, because, you know, how, how do we know what customers want if we don't really ask them? Yeah. Um, so I don't know, how do you feel about this? If like, what I think is if copywriters aren't doing any research before any type of, um, project, then I think something is wrong there because I've seen how much better um, our writing can be when we use research and using a process for that. Yeah. Look, I am pretty sure I mentioned in some episode in the past that if, um, you know, if I'm looking to hire someone to work with someone, if they don't ask me about 
you know, well, what kind of research do you have or like any kind of customer stuff? Mm. That is a big red flag for me. Big red flag. Because, you know, I, I have this theory that nobody can write better copy than your customer or than your potential customer. No one. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that, I know that sounds maybe if you're not in the writing world or you don't have a writing background, that kind of sounds a bit strange. But I think that what happens is we've gone too sort of far, especially, you know, in the advertising world and stuff, we've gone, gone too far with being clever and trying to do clever things and losing that core message. So yeah, I just, yeah, for me, I, I agree. I agree totally. Um, so I guess the background of this topic, um, when I was in house, the research side of things was always ongoing. It wasn't kind of, you didn't have to plan it out as a conscious effort as part of the project because it would just be part of your day-to-day thing you know you you would do iterations what felt like every day I think Um, and I think you know all the different parts of research you know it's not just user testing or user interviews and that kind of thing it's finding out um, like you said earlier comms guides and um, previous marketing material uh, everything like that Um, and it takes you, well, it took me, I think, six months to feel like I actually knew the product and the business inside out yeah. um, in my first U, like official UX writing role. Um, but of course, now I have to speed that up for freelance projects. Yeah. So that's been a learning curve as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, totally speaking from all the experiences, especially, you know, where we used to work together, like, you know, you'd have access to, to all the BAs and the devs and marketing and data centers. And, you, you know, everyone was kind of working on their own part of optimizing the product and, and, you know, then they'd come to you for help. And it was sort of, it was, a, I mean, that was a good place because it was very cr- sort of cross, um, it wasn't siloed as much as it was such a luxury having access to all those people. Yeah, that's very I'm, true. I'm learning. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's very true. Yes, because I don't have access to any of those people. Right? No, I think it was pretty unique because it's so different when you go out alone. Um, and I'm still, like, I've been freelance for oh, two and a half years or something like that, but it's so, so different. You kind of hit with... <laughs> the realization that you have to do it all yourself and you're kind of like, where do I start? Um, and it, it's definitely been a learning process. I think I'm there now where I've got a kind of, like I know what I want um, and what to ask for as well. When yeah. I'm starting. Mm. And what to ask for, that's actually a really good point. What to ask for the right question. Yeah. Cause when you, yeah, when you're starting out, you're kind of like, so, so do you find that, um, the clients that you've worked with, do you find that sometimes they do have the research and sometimes they don't or? Mm, Most of the time they don't. Yeah. Um, (laughs) When it's (laughs) startups or like smaller businesses. Um, Lately, the project I've been working on, they do have more than um, usual. Okay. 
so it's been really good, but still like, there's still things I would, I've had to um, create or I don't know, really ask for, I guess, in terms of data. Um, But yeah, the things I kind of, I ask for is, or undertake myself is um, competitor analysis surveys. um, That's just for users or current um, customer base. Yeah. Um, I'll do interviews, testing, card sorting, uh, and then if they don't have these things, I'll, I usually kind of create one for myself anyway, as I'm going through, but like a product, um, comms or style guide, um, yeah. I'll look, <coughs> I'll look at old marketing material, existing marketing lists and segments. If they do that, a lot of people don't. Um, so that's something I, I tell them to put in place, um, after yeah. we work together, um, and internal interviews and meetings. I always try and meet as many people as I can to get the lay of the land and um, just to build connections. I think that is such an underrated part of what we do. Yes. Actually making friends with everyone in the business. It makes your life so much easier. You never know who you're going to meet as well, which I enjoy. That's yeah, that's, that's very true. And I've sort of found in the past, you're right. I don't know whether that, is a topic for this episode or another episode, but that's such an important part of the whole comms process as well. Because quite often, at, at least my experience has been that quite often the the business comms are and the brand comes from the inside, right? So, you know, whether it comes from the founders or whether it comes from a culture that's been built or, you know, values or beliefs that have been created it and that sort of projects outwards. And especially when there's a good culture and by, by good, I mean, consistent really. And collaborative (laughs) and collab. Yeah. It, it's, it makes that job of putting that stuff together a lot easier as well. And meeting those people like that thing that you've just touched on, is such a big part of that. Mm. And I found a lot of people are scared to do that or jump in and meet people. But I have found that it, you know, people love talking about what they do every day and they love sharing this information because they, they like to be heard and they like to know that, you know, you're working on making things better and easier for them, for the customers, you know, you're doing the right thing. You're not, you're not just talking for the sake of talking, building relationships is such a massive part of it. Um, to actually get stuff done. Yeah, I totally agree. That's yeah. That's a really, really good point. That's a really good point. And, and it is, you're right. It's very underrated, but yeah. Um, what about yeah. for Geek Super? What have you done recently in terms of research? Um, well, I guess, like I said earlier, from, I guess I could kind of, kind of go from the beginning. So before, before I jumped on board, so actually, so this is probably a really good sort of point to this. When the guys reached out to me originally and said, you know, we need content, like we need this whole app written and we need a brand and we need a style guide and all of this stuff. My first question was, do you have any research? Honestly, like, <laughs> like most other places, I was expecting a no. And they were like, oh, yeah, we do. We've, um, we've got a quali session. Oh. And funnily enough, if, have you heard of quali before? I've heard the name, but I haven't used it. 
Yeah. Well, I or have an it. And it. Well, uh, so it's a platform. Mm. Um, but they basically provide like qualitative research with the quant stuff but but they do a really good job of doing the qualitative stuff but online so they've got a pool of people and then you as the brand come and you say you know you say this is the research that I want to do and then they pick you know the right groups and then you know you get these you get these short videos and you get like all the emotion and all the messaging and it's really, really good. It was, oh, it was amazing. Was it, was, it expensive? Um, well, I wasn't part of it when they did oh, yeah. it. And I probably like, yeah, I haven't even thought to ask. I mean, I, I think, I mean, it was in the thousands. Mm. I know that, but I don't know exactly how much it was. But the so, ROI, like, do you feel like it was worth it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it shaped it shaped everything to begin with. Like mm. all the messaging, some some of that messaging is still around actually today. Like some of the things that we pulled out of that. So yeah, absolutely, it was totally totally worth it. And actually, it really helped with because the guys did it obviously before starting to build a product. So That's it was so cool that they yeah. thought to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was really amazing. Um, so that was sort of, yeah, that was sort of the beginning of, of that research phase. And then um, we sort of did light competitor analysis, but our products are a bit unique, like superannuations are not unique, obviously. There are lots of super <laughs> ones. But the freelance specific one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. See, it's and, and I love that you just said freelance specific because you've just put, like you just made it relevant to you and personalized it to you because <laughs> it's like it's all like it's all self it's the sole traders so it's all self-employed yeah. but I love that I love that you've like adopted it <laughs> well I'm waiting for it to launch so I can <laughs> no, jump ship <laughs> no, but you know what I mean like that's really that's really really good feedback um and when then you say like competitor analysis because I actually I do this probably with a different um, reasoning behind it, but I actually don't like doing competitor analysis shock horror because I find that it will shape my ideas before I'm writing something. Like if I look at, if I'm comparing websites and stuff, I don't like looking at competitors' websites because I will have a preconceived like idea in my head and I don't want that. I want to start fresh. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, for me, it's about, you know, especially if you already have an idea of what your brand is, it's more around seeing whether there's anything similar in that sense, rather than yeah. like looking, comparatively. yeah, comparatively at the messaging and like their headline is this. So our headline should, you know, yeah, yeah, not, not that, but just sort of like, where do we, where do we kind of fit in this landscape and how do we go forward, you know, with our messaging and, and, you know, that 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 sort of light competitor analysis yeah. not really digging deep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then what else have we done? We've done we did a survey with the pre-registration list subscribers and we did that probably about twelve months after the quality thing was done. So the quality thing was before we 
started building a product and then the survey one was um, sort of halfway through building the product and we, we wanted to highlight sort of the real emotional stuff and get some, you know, get some answers around um, the feelings about how people felt around superannuation when they're self-employed. It was really interesting because we did that survey and sort of wanted to get that information. But then we found out that something really like something, I can't remember the exact stat, but around 60% of people didn't know about the um, claiming tax deductions thing. Uh, I've got the form like mocking me on my desk right now. <laughs> it's just sitting there and I'm like, mm, future Laura's problem. <laughs> Future, yes, future Laura's problem. Who won't have to do that because we've automated no, that. Super so I can say this is my last time doing it. Plug. The old print, fill out with a pen, scan, email back. I freaking hate that. Just do it all on my computer, please. Okay. I know. I know. It's it, And it's ridiculous that that is still a process. I mean, I'm currently, because we still have it, launched um my super fund on the form it says you either have to mail it by snail mail or take it into a branch so i can't so i can't email my fund oh my (laughs) god that would make me rage (laughs) what like what i know it is (laughs) i don't no words really Mm. um yeah, sorry, tangent. So back to the research. Um, what else? I, well, I got you to do both <laughs> website feedback, yes, and sort of audit, which was which was also really amazing. And really, what's been really cool is that, like you said, like part of our target market are freelancers. So it's been really good to be able to access like you and Kirsty and be able to go, Hey, you know, do you mind giving me some feedback on this? Not writing it for me, but just giving me feedback on how you feel. And it's just been really, really good to get that sort of messaging and be able to pluck that out and pop it into. So some, lots of the stuff on our website is actually pulled out from the feedback that we've, um, yeah. And then, yeah. That's, that's really it. And lots of user testing of like, you know, through all the iterations of the MVP, but like lots of video to capture the emotions and messaging. But yeah, that's, that's been the, that's been the process for gig super. So that's been really good. And do you do it for one tiny tribe as well? Um, I do not as much. Yeah. Because I'm sort of flying solo and, and also kind of haven't had the time, but I've done both A-B testing of messaging and um, images. I used Optimizely and I got our friend Sean to sort of help me set it all up and stuff. So that was that. Yeah, that's been good. And, you know, (laughs) funnily enough, the, like our, I I haven't tested it for for a while. It's probably been over a year. So I need to sort of get back into it. Is this on the website or? Yeah, on the website. Um, but the the one with just images did did better than the one with images and copy. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> but then again, oh, I guess, yeah, from. they're there to buy imager, imagery. So, oh, totally. Matches like, up, I guess. Story checks out. <laughs> story checks out. 
<laughs> and I sort of did a bit of, um, I did surveying via email lists and I've, you know, with a, with a big, robust Instagram audience, I've done polls and quizzes and, you know, things like, you know, what are your favourite kit book quotes or what's your favourite mm. song and that kind of stuff. And I've not only been able to use that sort of as part of messaging, but I've also been able to use it as part of product development, really, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, that is cool. And you have control over all of that, which is even better. Yeah, yeah. But it it hasn't just sat there, you know. Mm. So now we've talked about all the different types of research and how we've used it in the businesses we're working on. Um, how can people at home or in their business or the listeners uh, start implementing user research into their lives um, other than, you know, doing a poll on Instagram or... You know, I've seen actually every shop I've gone into lately, I feel like they asked me to do a um, rating on the point of sale, like oh. on the actual machine. Right. I was in Kathmandu, I think it was. And they have epic customer service, like really good. I was just buying thermals because Tazzy Life. Um, <laughs> yes. And yeah, they do like a, I think it must be going to like an NPS score. Um, oh. Are they still relevant? I jury's out for me I think they're too broad but I yeah I I think that in you know the development of sort of being able to collect data and being able to look at the user research and stuff I think that just just a number it gives you a really tiny a really small idea yeah of of something like and when when we used it so um a few jobs ago when I was in-house, um, we implemented it and it was more like to be used as PR, like a brag fest. And I was like, but what is this actually telling people? Like, how does this mean we're good? I just like, <laughs> sorry, find that really bizarre. Yeah. Like, what's this number mean? I, and it was so confusing because it was like a minus number. And I just, yeah, anyway. But what, what do you think people can implement it at home? Yeah, at, at home in their in their <laughs> at home. How was dinner tonight? Rate me out of one to five. <laughs> Actually, don't rate me. <laughs> yeah, don't rate me either. That is not. How was my How was my delivery of? <laughs> was it Was it with personality? Um, <laughs> chicken and veggies again. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, whether in at home or, or in your business, I think, uh, I think it really, look, a good place to start is if you are a startup or even if you're solo and you can afford it, I think it's pretty important to hire like a UX or usability sort of testing expert. And I think the reason is that, you know, they're going to be able to design and probably even more importantly, facilitate tests better than you can DIY them. Because I know that like, I, I'm, I'm still learning like in the user testing that, that we do and stuff, but you, depending on your personality, you can sometimes tend to like lead the witness, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they turn around like somebody who's doing a user test turns around and like asks you a question and it's really hard to go, mm-hmm. 
you just do what you think you would do. Like, it's just, it's odd because you're so used to having a normal conversation and being able to help people. It's, yeah. you know, so having somebody. Oh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> That's something we actually covered um, in Brain Camp, which we spoke about last week. Kirsty uh, thing, um, because as a psychologist, you can't really ask leading questions and like giving them a indication of what's a right or wrong answer because there is no right or wrong answer. You just want information. Yes. Um, exactly right. And I've, cause I do uh, user interviews via zoom because I'm, I work remotely and I watch them back and like, aside from cringing at my face voice, it's just so interesting. You really kind of pull yourself up on, um, you know, nodding your head or going, yes, yes, that's good. And I've really tried to stop yeah. that. Yeah. That's exactly it. Exactly. So if you can, if you can invest in getting a professional to do it, um, but if you can't, a really, really good resource is Steve Krug's book. It's called Rocket Surgery Made Easy. It's like the DIY guide for like finding and fixing usability problems. So that's, it sort of goes through like a really simple and informal small sample DIY testing, like exactly that stuff that you would do in-house if you are trying to DIY this. There's a and really if you have the time as well. To start. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of be it in terms of user testing, like where you could probably start. Another, uh, another good resource which I should have dug up, but it's worth going to Amy Porterfield's podcast and she did ages ago. It's a long time ago, so it's like probably before episode 100. Um, she oh, did wow. an interview with with somebody who he's an expert in like putting together questions for surveys. What I don't a remember. Very he, niche skill. I know. I know. And I don't remember his name and I don't remember what the episode was about, but do you know what has stuck <laughs> with me? I know that sounds a bit out there, but what really stuck with me was when he said, have questions that require an action from you after you do the research. So it was yes. like, don't ask questions that are like age, location and that kind of stuff, but do something like, you know, for one tiny tribe, for instance, I would ask, where do you currently buy artwork from around where you live? So, and then if they were like, oh, I buy it from, I don't know, Spotlight or whatever, mm. then I would think about, okay, well, maybe that's a potential stockist for me. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. well, it's not, it's um, co not collecting data for data's sake. Like if, it, yes. if you're just collecting noise and random information, it's just going to sit on your desktop. What is the point? Yes. I hate doing yeah. things that have no point to them. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Such a, yeah. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So that would be, that would be another sort of yeah good thing to consider. Thing. If you're like, you know what, I'm going to run a survey with my email list, but I need to think about that survey, having questions where I can have an actionable outcome after I get the answers. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then the other thing is once you do the research and you like capture that voice of customer data, then you should sort of break it down to make it easier for you to understand. So there's a message mining template that we can link to in the show notes, which is really useful. And that's it. I mean, 
it, it starts getting into sales copy a little bit, but it totally still applies to like UX and CX comms. So it basically breaks, you, you take all of the messaging and you break it down into like okay. a column. Okay. <laughs> um, I know exactly what you're talking about because I have, that's Jen, have, I can never say her name, Heavy. Yes. Um, I have a book on my bookshelf right now. Ah. It's awesome. Like if anyone doesn't have that book, get it. It is gold um, for customer surveys and interviews. I think it even includes templates that you can use for um, sending the email to your list or um, and survey as well. I have to show you at Branco. It's so good. What's it called? It's finding the right message. Ah, okay. Yeah, and I think she may link to that document as well. But um, when I do my research, I, um, yeah, obviously go through all the transcripts um, because I send it to Rev as well to get transcripts of these videos that I do. Um, Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it costs, it's hardly anything, but it's so worth it to have it in writing rather than listening to yourself over and over again. Yeah. Um, You can literally just copy paste and put it into so I have this document that I call research analysis and I just have headings. Um, and actually, again, sorry to plug it yet again, but brain camp really helped me narrow that down even more Yeah, um, and just made the process. Obviously I wouldn't talk about it if it wasn't like life changing. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to do it. I, really, I It, yeah, it sounds like exactly like the stuff that you, that you need, you know, before, cause you can't, it just makes it so easy. Like exactly, we don't want to make the work harder for ourselves. Um, <laughs> it's literally yeah. like headings, and then you know exactly where to put it. You know, pains, desires, objections, um, sticky copy, all that kind of stuff, and it's just super helpful. Um, yeah, but I yeah. guess it, it ties back into the psychologist way to ask questions as well. So you're getting like quality answers. Exactly. And then you know how to analyze those answers as well. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, yeah. So that would, well, there you go. That would, that would be my places to start. Like, like, have you seen any good customer questionnaires or? Um, The one that always pops up, I swear Airbnb pop up for every kind of like experience. (laughs) Like they always come up for employee experience as well. They have one that makes it really easy to fill out, um, like after you book a stay or after you have the stay, I can't remember. Um, but they have a really good referral program as well. So you fill out a customer oh. survey and you get something back, which I'm always happy with. Um, yeah, one, I think that's how it worked. You fill it out and then you get, um, you are able to send it to a family or friend to use a code or something. Um, but it increased their bookings for like 25%. The referral thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah. I don't know how long ago that was. I could be pulling these stats out of thin air, but I think it was something like that. I mean, they're pretty impressive. I, I wouldn't are. pass them. Really just on what we touched on earlier, I think it is important in all of this is that if you're like, okay, cool, I'm convinced I'm going to do this. And then you do whatever that research looks like, whether it's, email, whether it's polls, whether it's, you know, actual sitting down and user testing. I think it's, like you said, it's important to, to, to do something with that. And, um, I had another, um, what's it called template, which 
maybe we put in the show notes, which could be useful. And it sort of breaks down existing copy that you've got versus the research findings. And if you sort of plug everything into that, you can then see where you've got gaps. So maybe that's useful to. That's super useful. I'm going to steal that. Is that another gen have it? I, I, I can't it remember. Is. It could be. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. It looks yeah. really good. Yeah. So we'll pop that. Yeah. We'll pop that in the show notes. So yeah. Do something with the data. Don't just leave it sitting there. <laughs> For the love of God. <laughs> yeah. But um, favorite part. Yay. The random bit. Although we're very, um, you know, streamlined this week. I, I think. know. I know. We Looking are. Our notes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for me, what I've been reading this week, um, is a lot of articles. Um, I'm part of a a UX and content Slack group, which is really useful. Um, it's just called UX, a content and like the plus symbol UX. If anyone wants to join, I think you have to request admin access. Um, but it was an article on medium. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was, um, it said we need to stop talking about the basics of UX writing and stop taking the defensive stance um, about why UX writers are valuable in product teams. Kind of like, you know, you, you spend all this money hiring like five designers, but you don't even have one writer to oh. those five designers kind of thing. Yes. Um, because there's a lot of articles out there about that. So this, um, this lady saying that, you know, we need to stop playing that card kind of thing. Um, and that the focus should be more on intermediate stuff to manage teams, build teams and lead as a UX writer, which she has a good point. There isn't a lot of stuff about that intermediate, which is where I would probably fall um, with four plus years experience. I think, I think they classify expert as eight plus years, which is a lot, like that's a long time for something that's still quite new, but I guess it wasn't always called UX writing maybe. Um, and content strategists, I guess would fall into that as well. Um, yeah, it was, it, this article had a few mixed responses within the Slack group. Um, what, in what kind of way? So a lot of people agreed with her saying that, you know, we, um, the community needs to stop harping on about, you know, UX basics. Um, okay. And also that, we need to stop stop taking this defensive stance. So a lot of people agreed with that. But then, and I kind of fell into this second category, which I agreed, she definitely had a point, but um, I don't think the market is saturated with newbie articles yet. Um, nor do I think that the plight for appreciation is done. <laughs> um, but that's probably just a bit dramatic on my part. But um, <laughs> the newbie article thing, my reasoning was that, you know, a lot of people don't know what it is, especially clients. So if I'm a freelancer or sorry, if I'm looking for clients and they don't know what, what I do when I write the words in apps and that kind of thing, I do need to have something on my website, like a blog post or my medium article about it rather than writing it out every time. (laughs) Like it's so much easier. And plus the search aspect as well. Yes. SEO. It makes sense. Um, and it comes back to that whole curse of knowledge thing. Like we can't assume people just know what we do or yeah. why we do it. Um, so and that I, was, yeah. I think also it's, it might seem, so, you know, you're in a Slack group with 
UX and content people. So, mm. so we all UX writers. I'm assuming there's lots of UX writers there. Yes. Yeah, there are. Yeah. Yeah. And so you are all seeing the same stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but people outside of that, nobody knows, you know, my parents don't know what I do. They, <laughs> no, but I'm also, you know, and I, I mean, I'm, in and out of that world and stuff and if you say to me it's it's you know um saturated with articles about the beginning of ux writing i think where i can think of maybe exactly (laughs) yeah and they're probably both on my my website (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so mm, that is interesting i Mm. mean i i do i do agree that there probably isn't enough. I mean, there isn't. That's that's why we started this podcast. There exactly. isn't enough information was, about the intermediate. Yeah. I was going to say that the intermediate stuff is exactly kind of what we're talking about now. Like, if, unless you have a, a basic knowledge of, you know, copywriting or um, comms and that kind of thing, some of this stuff probably wouldn't make sense if you're not building a product or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's not, and it's not, you know, again. UX writing isn't the same as, you know, a landing page or like no sales copy or, you know, that sort of falls under the whole CX umbrella. But UX writing in particular is, a, is you know, quite a discipline on its own. So, hmm, yeah, I think, I don't know if I agree that we need to stop writing the basics. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I, yeah. I mean, she's got people talking and maybe that was the whole point. Yeah. It was an yeah. opinion. Yeah. Exactly. Well, what look. What have you been reading? Um, well, not so much reading, but I thought since we were talking <laughs> about user testing this week, I, it's, it's, not anything, it's not anything that I've stumbled across recently. It's something from a while ago, but. I love this too. I can see. <laughs> it's really, it's really awesome. And I thought it would be really relevant to talk about here and especially sort of relevant if you are a small business or like a startup. So basically there's this website called the user is drunk and it's this guy who's the UX designer and developer and you can be a consultant now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he's a consultant now, but you can hire him to get drunk and (laughs) you test your website. (laughs) Oh man, what a job. Yeah, he and he's been covered all over the place. Like, you know, he's gotten really good PR and stuff. But um, there's this one. His FAQs are the best. So we'll link to it in the show notes and check it out. You know, if you check out nothing else from this this episode. straight, Straight to this. Please go straight to this. It is excellent. So what I really like about um, like the one sort of line on his website, it says that, the, the core tenets of UX is that you've got to design things like the user is drunk and any feature on your website has to be able to be used by someone who's drunk because invariably the user is going to mess it up otherwise. And if you've ever done any user testing ever, you really know the truth of that. Um, so yeah, so amazing. yeah, really, really good. And, and, and he um, posts all of them. So he's posted all the ones that he's done. Um, but for me, I think it's a really funny coincidence is that that term, the user is drunk, was originally coined by a guy I used to be friends with in high school. This what? Guy, 
Yeah. This guy called Will. So like we were in the same play together in year 11 <laughs> or year 12. <laughs> like really, really cool guy, really interesting guy. And he's now gone into like UX and stuff. And yeah, I, I remember, I remember, I think it was, oh, probably like 2012 or something. Um, and he originally put out this video called the user is drunk. And he was talking about how that's how users use websites. So like we, as the people building the products or the websites, you know, we build this thing and we have the curse of knowledge and we think that everybody will use it the way we've intended for them to use it. And it is so not like that. (laughs) So yeah, he, he put up this really great video. So this guy actually quotes him. The user is drunk guy quotes Will. Wow. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I am six degrees of Kevin Bacon connected here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is a claim to fame for sure. Yeah. It's almost as good as my Alicia Keys thing. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You're just like living the high life. (laughs) I'm a quasi celebrity. I like (laughs) quasi no celebrities. People know Um, me. Well, actually, no, people don't know me. I know them. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, yeah, check that out. It's in the show notes. And then I thought it might be really interesting, nothing to do with user testing at all. But um, there's this fun little app that I stumbled across um, called Eredito. I don't really know how to pronounce it. But if you're a total word nerd, you install this app on your phone and every time you're writing, like whether it's in your notes or whether it's in your messages or stuff, this thing like gives you little points and you can invite friends and you can compete against them and stuff. So we'll pop that in the show notes. Check it out. If you're a word nerd, you might actually really like it. And yeah. I, um, I love their website. Their website is great. It's so cute. I'm so getting this. <laughs> this is what I mean. <laughs> if you're a word nerd. <laughs> I'm guessing most of our audience is. <laughs> at least at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I love it. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's sort of my uh, my things for the week. And there it is, another episode done and dusted. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and all the resources mentioned. Do check them out. If you are putting together a team that's going to look after messaging or if you are starting up uh, with your messaging and wondering where to begin and sort of be pointed in the right direction, please feel free to reach out to Laura and I, a table at the back at gmail.com and we'll be super happy to help. Also, thank you everyone for all the lovely messages that we're getting. Um, Please do rate, review and subscribe to our podcast so that more people can find it. Um, You told us you find it useful. We would love to also see those reviews um, on the iTunes store. So please, please do uh, leave a review. Until next week, chat soon.